Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast. This episode is sponsored by L3 Harris. With over 50 years of Canadian innovation, the new XL Extreme Radio was designed by firefighters, built for firefighters. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. From Hope, BC, I'm Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. A radical change in hiring practices has made the uh, fire department in Richmond, BC, one of the most diverse in the country. And this comes after, uh, I guess, what what was written up, uh, talked about uh, not too long ago, as what is considered a dark time in the history of Richmond Fire. And uh, it's a pleasure to have uh, Fire Chief Tim Wilkinson join me today to talk about Richmond Fire and, and the past and and uh, where the future is going. Chief, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Tom. It's exciting to talk about these kind of issues and and make sure everyone learns something from uh, perhaps our, uh, as you said, dark history. Um, but coming out of a dark history, there's always a silver lining, and and we're we're certainly striving towards that. We're, we're making great strides. Richmond, the Richmond Fire Department, you know, it was mired in controversy. Uh, honestly, some 15 years ago. Uh, serious allegations of sexism and, and discrimination. Hard to believe, you know, to, for me coming, you know, this is this coming from a, one of the most diverse cities in the country. Um, I want to touch about that. First off, uh, I want to talk about the city that you serve uh, and you as well. What, what's your history in fire? Uh, you know, how long have you been in this crazy business of ours? Well, I've had the great fortune of being in the fire service for 35 years now. Uh, I worked my way uh, up to fire chief through the suppression side of the business and uh, so hitting every single rank all the way through, which has been a real great deal, uh, right from junior firefighter through the officer ranks, battalion chief, deputy of operations, and now fire chief. Uh, along the way, I was fortunate enough to be the union president for approximately 10 years and the union vice president uh, for about four years before that. And during those difficult times, I was the union president. So, uh, and I worked, I wanna, I wanna be really clear about this. Our fire chief, uh, Jim Hancock at the time, a wonderful gentleman, uh, a very, very thoughtful person and uh, a great collaborator. Without, without that great collaboration, I don't really don't see us coming out of this with a better, uh, a better way. Uh, Jim was, was really great during that time. Mm -hmm. The the city itself of Richmond, as I mentioned, a very diverse community. For those uh, in our audience across Canada that that may not be familiar with Richmond, uh, a suburb, if you will, of Vancouver. Tell me tell me more about the city that you uh, where you where you serve. Absolutely, we're we're a city of uh, just over two hundred and twenty thousand people. Uh, we're home to the Vancouver International Airport, uh, which makes it a very interesting place to serve. Uh, we have, a, as you say, a, a diverse um, number of peoples. Uh, we're approximately 70 to 75% uh, Asian peoples of all Asian descents. Uh, and then we have people from all over the world, uh, you know, quite a good uh, Ukrainian group. Uh, so really from different parts of the world and, and Europeans and uh, so we are very diverse. We have a number of languages spoken in our in our um, city, and uh, which all makes it really, really interesting. We have a real 
good industry base in our city. And so we are an affluent place uh, of that, there's no doubt. Um, being just outside of Vancouver, I, I would say our average home uh, is worth just over a million dollars. And, uh, and that's just the average one. When we talk about a 2000 square foot home or smaller, it, that's over a million dollars uh, as a minimum. So it, it is a burgeoning city and growing. And uh, we were talking about it earlier. We have approximately uh, 10 high rises on the go right now. And so we, we are building into village pods, which is a really interesting way of, uh, of creating a city. What about from a response perspective? Um, you know, certainly you have your challenges like most communities, small and large. Is there a risk that's greater than most uh, in, in Richmond? I think we have a number. Uh, one of them is we're an island. We're an island city and uh, which uh, in an earthquake zone. And so we can easily be cut off from the rest. Of, so mutual aid in an earthquake situation really isn't uh, going to be forthcoming, certainly not quickly. Uh, so that's a big uh, risk. We have our airport, uh, which international airport, uh, where it has a history of uh, terrorism coming from uh, emanating out of Vancouver International Airport. Uh, you know, the security is high there, but still these issues can occur. Uh, we have a transportation system with the SkyTrain and uh, that runs into Vancouver. So we have a real, uh, around the, our train system, we have a real transient population of homeless people who come and go throughout our city. And uh, so it's difficult to keep track of those people and make sure they're safe. So it's a really interesting place to serve. Uh, we have uh, approximately 200, we have 237 firefighters working out of seven fire stations 24 seven. And uh, we have, we are a full service uh, fire department. You, 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 we, we talk about the diversity in the community and, and the lang English language is, is largely a second language for a lot of your, a lot of your residents from an operational perspective. What kind of challenge is that? It, it can be a massive challenge. Uh, oftentimes um, we end up dealing with a young child who is in the home and uh, they often interpret for us. Uh, however, we're, we're also, uh, we look for people with language skills in our hiring processes. And so as much as possible, um, we, uh, we ask and, and try and bring in people with language skills and uh, where our country is French and English, there's not a lot of French spoken here unfortunately, but there is a lot of Mandarin and Cantonese. And so we do look for people with those skills. And interestingly enough, they don't always come from people who are Asian of descent. There's uh, people who go to school in, in Asia and take these different language skills. So we find, uh, we find that diversity, I guess, um, in a number of different people. And it's more about, for us, it's more about uh, what do we need to serve these people versus you know, the peer, what do they look like? Because oftentimes, uh, say a third generation uh, Chinese person who grows up in Richmond, oftentimes they don't own those language skills either anymore. So it's not just about what you look like, it's about what you bring to the table 
that will help to serve our community. It was, we talked about a tough time 15 years ago. And again, you said, uh, you mentioned you were on the labor side as the president of the union. Um, you know, you there were a couple of high profile cases in the news then. Refresh our memories and maybe enlighten some people as to what the issue was 15 years ago or so. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Uh, what the issue was in the beginning was the union had brought a grievance against the city in the, in the fact that we were, we were not creating the best environment for all people. Now, it turned out that the story became centralized around our women members, and there were issues there, but there were issues of privacy for all members of our team. And, uh, you know, so the issue became more about a human condition versus a women's rights or men's rights or, or any particular ethnicity. Now, the story got blown up into its men against women, and there were some issues there for sure. Uh, but in general, it was the environment that wasn't being taken care of. So things like appropriate training to understand the differences and actually not only understand them, but embrace them. We, as a union, we wanted people to embrace the differences and the differences were what gonna make us better. And we wanted to do training around that. And we, we were seeing the lack of understanding of our, of our people and the lack of tolerance of each other and understanding and, and embracing was leading to these issues. So the issues were the symptom, not the core problem. And we were trying to get our, our, our um, city management teams uh, to come along with us on this ride and, and they weren't prepared yet to do that. And so we brought grievance about these issues and the ones that stood out the greatest and the ones that created uh, the most story, I guess, for, for a news outlet were the, were the men versus women kind of issues. And if you can remember uh, the firefighter sort of in the middle of all this was Jeanette Mosnick, who um, in the same period of time had a terrible injury. And so while there was a huge issue made that all these men were so terrible to Jeanette and there were issues around her, actually she was off work for two, two and a half years and all of the firefighters were working for her and maintaining her wage, even while she was going through to the courts, through the court system and through the newspaper stories, even still our membership were supporting her uh, to get well and get, get a paycheck. So I would tell you in that period of time, uh, Richmond was the one on the pointy end of the stick. I would tell you, we probably weren't the worst department in Canada. It would be made out that way but I think we had a very empathetic group, a group who really did care about each other. Uh, but we knew it was gonna get worse and we knew as a union executive team, we had to bring these issues forward to get them actioned. And we were very fortunate to have Mr. Vince Reddy come in, uh, someone with enough stature uh, when we got through to the arbitration stage with enough stature that our people would actually listen and take in what he said. And he was stark about what he said. And um, 
it was really a decision that I made, which was to take Vince and have him sit at our kitchen tables and everyone else leave and just let him talk to people. And he came up with a statement that essentially our, our work environment was hostile and juvenile. And it hurt, it stung. It stung a lot of our people. They didn't see themselves that way, uh, but they were that way. And it was the only way to turn that around was appropriate discipline. There was appropriate learning and there was huge changes in our, in the construct of our fire halls as well. No more are these large uh, dormitory styles. Uh, no more was there, you know, uh, a gang bathroom, if you will. You know, there's like six or seven uh, stalls in this bathroom and they're men and women. And uh, so it was very unwelcoming for women members and for people who really enjoy privacy. So our, our fire stations now have all been changed to individual uh, privacy uh, dormitories, individual privacy in bathrooms. Uh, so we, we not only took the um, sex type issues, but we took on the gender issues because the, there's many of the gender identification issues that come up for people. And we want it to be welcoming for all. And uh, so our bathrooms are not men, women, you know, other genders, uh, they're bathrooms. And only one person could go in. So whoever's in there, it's their bathroom. So it's, and all the dormitories are there set up the same way. So there's not a men's dorm and a women's dorm and a, you know, all these things. There's a private space for each person because those are human issues. Right. All humans like privacy. You mentioned about, you know, the not not being a Richmond problem at the time when you realized it was a fire problem. And uh, when did that realization take place? I don't, you know what, Tom, I don't know that it has taken place. I think people choose to look at Richmond and say, oh, they were the bad guys. And, and you know, we would never be caught up in that. And and uh, I would tell you a lot of fire departments are only just a couple minutes away from being in the news like we were um, because there's still a lot of hiding from it. Uh, there's still, uh, we still struggle with having uh, women in senior positions throughout our, throughout our fire service, you know, so when, and even in our captains and our lieutenants and, and positions as battalion chiefs, it's very unusual to have a, a woman member go through. Uh, so, so these are these are issues. Until that um, really big numbers of people, women and, and people of ethnic ethnic backgrounds start coming through, and and hitting our leadership positions, I don't think we've got it yet. Um, and I'm not telling you we, we're in that position yet. Um, we have had women chiefs and women battalion chiefs, which is great. Uh, but uh, just recently, I've been um, talking with our Indigenous uh, friends uh, and the local bands to find out why aren't we getting people, you know, the Indigenous folks coming through. So you have to always look in the mirror and go, 
what's going on, you know, because um, we see a lot of Indigenous firefighters in the forestry. Um, and so there's an interest, it, it would appear. Uh, but very seldom do we get Indigenous firefighters coming to our uh, tryouts. And so I want to know what that's about. And, and if I'm if our system is creating a systemic barrier, one that we're not aware of, but if we're doing it, we need to stop it. And so I think it's this um, ever going iteration of looking in, inwardly and going, I'm not doing anything wrong intentionally, but perhaps we're doing something wrong and, uh, and we have to fix it, but you shouldn't wait till someone else points it out to you. You mentioned, you know, coming from the rank and file, from the floor, moving your way up to the to the to the chief officer, the fire chief position, and I've I've spoken with fire chiefs you know, across Canada who who came from industry, came from outside the fire service into positions of 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 um, authority in the fire service. How much, how important do you think it was for you to to have that experience and come from the floor? I, I think it was real important, Tom. Um, because I was able to speak with our with our teams and our members in a in a stark fashion, uh, you know, I work here too. I have worked here for a long time. You know, you're not fooling me. Oh, that never happens, Chief. You know, pat you on the back, or that never happens, Mr. Union President. It's like give your head a shake. Yes, it is. I work here too, and um, unless we unless we face up to our our issues we're not going to fix them and we're going to end up in this problem for a long long time and uh it, it's painful it's too painful to stay in that zone you've talked about some of the steps that uh, uh you know richmond's taken uh, in the aftermath and again we're talking 15 years ago is there is there still more to do in in your opinion in in your fire department absolutely i think there's never an end to this uh while we are quite a diverse group um that diversity needs to continue to, to uh, exist and to, it can't exist just because I'm here, right? It has to be part of our system and it can't be broken. Uh, if it exists only because one person has, has a passion for it, if you will, uh, that's really unfortunate because it will go back it, without constant um, attention and pressure, you, you will fall back. Um, and so what things do we need to do? I, I just identified where our, our issue, uh, I don't know what the issue is yet, but we're not getting a good number of Indigenous folks coming to us. Uh, we're still only getting about 5% of our hiring pool are women. Uh, so, you know, just naturally out of a small group of 5% of people, uh, it, you know, it's going to be difficult to have, uh, you know, it, it makes no sense all 5% of them would go through um, in any category. So the issue is to build the pool of hiring and, and let that happen. The hiring pool is everything uh, because people of all persuasions, uh, the best people come out of each of those pools all the time. It's just natural. And so, uh, so that's, that's something we're, always looking at 
we try to look at what does our hiring pool look like? And we do it in a voluntary fashion. We ask people if they wish to identify their ethnicity and their, their gender and things of that nature, um, we welcome it because we want to check, check ourselves. If they don't want to participate in that, that's fine. Um, it doesn't uh, create any issues for us, uh, but we do try and, and look at our hiring pool um, and so, uh, but we are doing well there. We get well over 500 people each time we post for roles. And um, so, some of the issues I've been told, uh, some of the barriers that we have removed are this extensive list of courses that, that some departments will ask people to have. And then, of course, it makes no sense because we bring them into our fire departments and then we retrain them. So the Richmond way or the Hope way or, or whichever way we are. So what did the training get you? It didn't actually end up to be anything other than, you know, a person's interested. Um, so we've done a lot of that. We've removed a lot of those barriers for people. Is there, is there a message that you can, you can share? Is there a lesson to be learned by the Canadian Fire Service from, from Richmond's experience and Richmond's practices now? Yeah, I think uh, from our past, where we were in that dark area, I think what we learned was all people enjoy privacy. And privacy is a human issue. It's not, a, it's not, not able to be uh, looked at in any other way. Uh, and so look at all of the things you do within your department around diversity and inclusion as human conditions versus, you know, we, we need a, a women's committee or we need a, you know, a specific uh, ethnicity issue. Look at everything as human conditions. What does every human want and what do they need? They need acceptance. They need, you know, they need to be included. They need to look through the window and see someone who looks like me. Right, like it, it's a simple thing to say, but it's not so, you know, it, it's simple, it's not easy to do, but you have to start down the path and you have to actually check yourself, look in the mirror, am I doing everything? Am I doing everything to, that I can do to make my department diverse and inclusive? And even the next word, which is welcoming, because you have to keep them once you get them. Because if you get these people coming in and the environment's not welcoming, that's what had happened to us in 2008. You have a hostile and juvenile environment. Guess what? You lose people, they leave. I don't like working here. And so you have that last piece. You can be diverse and you can be inclusive, but if you're not welcoming and you're not actually happy to have all these different folks in your in your environment they will leave again because they're not welcome and that that would be a terrible shame i thank you for your time today chief it's a, a pleasure to chat and i know we could go on and uh congratulations on the success uh, uh moving forward in your department good luck thanks so much tom it's great talking to you again Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by L3 Harris. Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.